You're listening to The Over 50 Entrepreneur, the podcast that's dedicated to the business builders who are only getting started when most are winding down. This is the place to discover how to create more freedom from your business while growing the value of your business. Now here's your host, Rick Hadrava. Hey everybody, this is Rick Hadrava, and once again, you're listening to the Over 50 Entrepreneur Podcast. Guys, let me just tell you that um, I couldn't be more excited today to have our guest, Stan Clark, um, with us in the studios. You know, as an Oklahoma State alum, I can tell you my first date was at one of Stan's restaurants. Um, Who knows how many weekends I've spent in those establishments. I've got the merchandising. I even have a Greg Burns painting of the original Eskimo Joe's that hangs in our home and has for 25 years. So uh, a little bit about Stan, for those of you that don't know, he's a native Tulsan. He graduated from Oklahoma State in May of 1975 with a BS degree in business administration. It was, it was Stan and his childhood friend, Steve File, that opened Eskimo Joe's on July 21st, 1975, when then Mr. Clark was just a young 22-year-old Uh, And from its humbling beginnings, it has become an iconic, I would say, brand, not just restaurant, not just merchandise, but brand on a national and even an international level. Uh, Stan likes to credit all of the success that they've had with people. And he says this is truly a people business. And, you know, their goal is to create good feelings with every interaction for every guest every day. And I think that's a wonderful experience to, uh, to try to deliver for, for clientele. One of the company's legacies is their support of the Stillwater community and specifically the Stillwater United Way, um, the chapter, excuse me, they have sponsored and contributed to Special Olympics, the Stillwater Public Education Foundation, Coaches for Cancer, and other um, OSU department and programs, including the South Entry Plaza of Boone Pickens Stadium. Um, They also have an Eskimo Joe scholarship for teachers uh, that was established with the OSU College of Education. In addition to that, Stan is a married man and the proud father of three children. Please help me in welcoming to our studios today, Stan Clark. Stan, thank you so much for being here. Well, it's absolutely my honor, and uh, I just look forward to to kind of chatting it up and uh, and see where this thing goes. I've, I've candidly, I've never done a podcast, so here we go. Well, we we had a little conversation before the show, and you gave some great information. Why don't we kind of go back to 1975, and what was it that that got you to the point where you wanted to open this little bar restaurant in the first place? Well, this story is uh, is really kind of funny. I'd graduated from Oklahoma State uh, two weeks prior uh, on a Saturday. And so two weeks and one day later, Sunday afternoon, I'm laying on the couch of a friend's house and watching reruns of Star Trek, you know, like any good college grad ought to be doing, right? Absolutely. And uh, Steve rolls in. He goes, hey, Clark, I'm going to open a bar. I said, well, Steve, that's a cool idea. I know where there's this neat little two-story building for rent. I'm going partners with you. (laughs) So right then, we drove down to what is now Eskimo Joe's and I always say, as fate would have it, the owner was there that day. Had he not been, I don't know if we'd ever gone back. I mean, literally, there probably wouldn't have been a Joe's, but he was. Um, You know, we we stood around, looked at the place for about 15 minutes. 
you know, a really intense and sophisticated negotiation took place. You know, he says, well, boys, if you want it just like you see it, it's 350 a month. If you want me to put an air conditioner in, it's going to be 400. And we go, <laughs> well, Dave, his name is Dave Lambert, um, multi-generational contracting uh, family and an ex-mayor, frankly, at the time of Stillwater. We said, well, sir, we'll certainly need air conditioning. And so, you know, that's the inception of Eskimo Joe's. I mean, it was an absolute wild hair. And there's this little half hour window, say, in July of 75, or no, pardon me, in May of 75, that I just, I mean, it just determined my whole life, really, my whole future. Um, so here we are 44 and a half years later. And, uh, but that's exactly how it happened. There was just no forethought, no planning, no market research, you know. Just open uh, a bar and see if they will come. Yeah, there you go. Now, I will say this. My dad really kind of instilled in me the idea of entrepreneurship and really preached it to me candidly, always talking about how exciting it would be, how rewarding it would be. And he really modeled that for me. And I saw the change in my personal lifestyle, the way our family um, you know, lived day in and day out when he went from being an employee to becoming an owner. And he formed a company uh, when I was in the fourth grade and uh, we moved from a, a little bitty, you know, a very small two-bedroom home in North Tulsa to the very south edge of Tulsa, what then was a parade of homes home in 1960, uh, I believe it was 61 or two. And, uh, you know, so I was like, wow, you know, it was, it was pretty obvious. And then as I was growing up, um, I think um, I think actually my first day of school at the new elementary school was fifth grade. That's where I met Steve File, my original partner. It was the first day of school uh, in fifth grade at Francis Scott Key Elementary in Tulsa. But you know to see the difference in lifestyle, wow! And of course, Dad had talked more about more than the money. Really, he just talked about how exciting it is, how rewarding it is. You never work a day if you're you know, if you're doing something you love and you're doing it for yourself. And so all of those things were going through my mind as I was growing up. Like I said, it was obvious that it was better, <laughs> if you will. So when I went to college of business uh, in Stillwater, when I graduated from Memorial High School in 71, as I went through the college of business, I was always thinking about how I would apply the principles I was learning to hopefully my own concern. Um, and and that, since I didn't ever get any job offers, because I was always saying, hey, I want to work for myself, basically, <laughs> when I did go through a few uh, interviews on the campus in the spring of 75. Um, anyway, so when Steve says, hey, I'm going to open a bar, I'm thinking, hey, that's a cool idea. I know where there's this neat little two-story building for rent. So, right place, you know, right time, right mindset. Yeah, absolutely. So let me ask you, with your dad's experience, being an employee and then becoming a business owner, an entrepreneur... Was there any time where you considered going to work for somebody else? Well, I never, like I said, I never really got a job offer. The only other thing I thought I might really enjoy uh, was to teach. I loved my experience in the college business. And so I, I thought, well, heck, if I could teach at the college level, that might be, that's kind of an entrepreneurial thing. Um, anyway, it seemed like something I could be impassioned with. So I had um, actually applied for and gotten an assistantship. I was going to pursue an MBA and be a grad assistant. Um, but hey, once we got the beer joint open, you know, <laughs> that seemed like a lot more fun to me. And so I walked back up the street. You know, it's only 
you know, block and a half to the College of Business from Eskimo Joe's and said, guys, I, I'm not going to make it back. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to hang with the beer joint, see where this goes. Well, and it seemed to work out for you. Well, <laughs> so let's talk about now you have the location, um, you, you've negotiated the rent, but now you've, you do have to spend a little money to get things situated. Do you mind talking a little bit about where, where did that money come from? Well, it was, uh, you know, you're exactly right. Uh, and so uh, Steve had the idea. Um, he also had a little bit of money. He had a small um, um, amount of $5,000 uh, saved up from when he was just a kid. And so uh, I kind of went to the bank. I had $1,200 to my name when we started this deal. I kind of leveraged his 5000 I borrowed 3800 so that we could, you know, each have 5000 in the pot, but again, mine was heavily leveraged, and uh, and then we borrowed another five thousand dollars from a from a gentleman by the name of Rick Green. Uh, he was then a vice president of of Stillwater National Bank. Uh, he wasn't much older than we were, and uh, of course, Rick, you know, later on becomes the the president and CEO of uh, of Southwest Bank Shares, and you know his long long. A career there, famous for, and, and a neat, neat guy. Still a dear friend to this day. And of course, I've never forgotten the guy that gave me my first business loan, you know. Absolutely. But it took us uh, three more times. We had to go back and ask for 5000 more. So all in, we borrowed 20000 jointly. Uh, and of course, I had the little $3,800 loan. I had, to, <laughs> I had to try to figure out how to pay off as well. But, you know, one of Webster's definition of entrepreneur is one who organizes, manages, and assumes the risk of a business or enterprise. Well, obviously, the crux of all that's the risk. And, you know, to us, $20,000 was a fortune. You know, I remember my first job in Stillwater. I worked at a brand new, um, a brand newly constructed Ken's Pizza Parlor, and I was a delivery guy. And my compensation was $1.25 an hour. So this is when I'm in college at Oklahoma State. So when you start thinking about if that's what I can earn, by the end of two semesters, I was assistant manager of that store. I was making $2 an hour. So at $2 an hour, it takes you a long time to pay off 20 grand. So, you know, that definition of entrepreneurship and that, that idea of risk, I mean, we had plenty to want to get up in the morning and go, go try to see if we couldn't pay that loan off. Uh, lots of motivation, that's my point there. I remember the night before we opened, we are pretty exhausted. We did all the remodeling ourselves. We didn't have enough to you know, hire a contract or anything like that. And just sitting on the, in the back of Joe's and just thinking to ourselves, you know, gosh, what if nobody comes? I mean, you know, what if we did all this work and, and, uh, and nobody responds? You know, and of course, you can't help but, but wonder. Uh, but thankfully, we'd, we'd made the commitment. We were all in. And um, our special, I remember the first two nights we were open, it was 10-cent draws, 10-cent beers all night long, 6 to midnight. And uh, back in the day, there weren't cell phones, but we did have a pay phone. And kids were coming in. They were having a good time. It was 10 cents a beer. They'd get on the pay phone, call their friends. And before we knew it, you know, the place was kind of hopping. Now, it was less than 900 square feet on just the downstairs uh, part of that original stone building. So it didn't take 30 or 40 people in there. It was pretty well packed, you know. But boy, we had it rocking, and it was really, really a good time. I remember we hired our first team member out of the first night's crowd. 
uh, really attractive young gal walked through the front door and it's, you know, it's just, you know, not very far from the front door to the bar. And, and I remember kind of punching Steve saying, Hey, she's, she's kind of cute. I wonder if she wouldn't work here, you know? And it, anyway, she gets up to the bar and, and uh, we mustered up the courage to ask her if she'd like to work here. She kind of stood back and looked us up and danced. Well, Stan, I might be willing to work for you and Steve. And we're taken aback. Well, come to find out, uh, she was the younger sister of a fellow I'd played basketball with in junior high in Tulsa. Her father had been her coach. And uh, all I can say, she changed a lot since she was in about fifth grade, probably <laughs> when I was in eighth grade playing basketball. But, uh, but I'm proud to say she worked for us for more than two years. First person we ever hired. And I think it goes back to my dad and, and how I'd watched him, how important the people in his company were and how he treated them, um, how important his supplier partners were to him. Some of my favorite guys in the world. Uh, but, but most importantly, probably how he treated people. Um, and then, of course, his customers. And my mom and he uh, treated their customers just like royalty. And they really were the best friends my parents had. And so... He modeled all of that for me all day, every day, although I didn't realize it at the time. It was just unbelievable training for um, having the opportunity to work for myself as young as I did. Fascinating story. What I wonder, so was it safe to say that Eskimo Joe's took off right out of the gate for you guys? Or did you did you have any, you know, because opening night, right? Lots of, lots of excitement. Right. Was that something that just kept going or did you have a couple um what would I say a couple bumps along the way well I'd just say this our expenses were very very low so we were technically bringing in a little more money than we were um, you know having to put out now, within within the very first you know 40 days or so I think we we started in late July and we you know by the end of August we actually brought in a little more than our expenses but Steve and I weren't paying ourselves anything if there was something left, we would draw it out as okay. the partners and owners. Um, so that was a capital, you know, that was a capital uh, uh, play, if you right. will, draw, you know, a draw. Right. Um, but since we didn't show up as labor on the expense, you know, line in the, in, the, um, um, in the income statement, you know, it looked like we were at least making money. We weren't making much money. There wasn't a whole lot of top line revenue. Um, for example... Uh, a draft beer was 30 cents. <laughs> a long neck bottle of beer was 45 cents. A, pool, a game of pool or foosball was 25 cents. So we were dumping those uh, pinball machines. Uh, we had a 10-cent pinball machine. So we d emptied all that stuff every day to take it to the bank. Um, you know, uh, anyway, our, our, um, our total revenue for our first entire year of business was only $89,000. So there wasn't a whole lot of money to be made, if, as you can imagine, especially for two guys trying to make a living out of it. Um, but we were having a blast. Yeah. You know, the piece about working for yourself and it being yours and all that certainly uh, was real. It felt good. We were having a great time. And uh, I certainly don't regret any of it. But it was tough for two guys to make a living out of a business that was that small. So w when did that when did that pivot or change for you guys? You know, because it so many times I think people think it's overnight success, 
and we all know if we've been in it, it it's a long time to be an overnight success, right? Yeah. I always say, uh, you know, mine is a 44-year overnight <laughs> success story. And and we'll still see if it's all going to work out because I've still got just about uh, as much debt as I've ever had right now. So I still have that motivation from the risk every morning to uh, to get up. But so very, very small operation. Um, the other thing I'd share is just that we did have T-shirts for sale uh, day one. And uh, we're so thankful that a couple of kids started a screen printing business the same summer we started Eskimo Joe's and they talked us into printing our logo on the front of some t-shirts. Um, Steve came up with the idea of opening the business. He came up with the trade name Eskimo Joe's, which I frankly said, file, are you nuts? Why would we call it Eskimo <laughs> Joe's and still water Oklahoma? But he was adamant and our friends would go into this chant with him. And I knew quickly we were going to uh, call it Eskimo Joe's. Thankfully, I was kind of a marketing guru at age 22. You know, I had three hours of marketing at Oklahoma State. But, uh, but I did know we needed a logo. And I remember that from my principal's class. And, and uh, a freshman commercial arts student, a friend of Steve's younger brother, his name was Bill Thompson. He was 18 years old. He designs Eskimo Joe and Buffy, the very first uh, rendering he ever did for a logo for us. And I just fell in love with it. All of a sudden, I loved the name. I remember saying, I love it, Steve. What are you thinking? He goes, yeah, it's all right. <laughs> kind of how I thought about the name, you know. Well, what, but anyway, I was impassioned with it. I just thought, oh, it's so catchy, you know. And, uh, and in hindsight, you know, it's a boy and his dog. It's right. kind of a universal theme. And that big smile draws you in. And at any rate, I think it's the luckiest thing that ever happened to me was that logo. So we did have shirts for sale day one. Um you know, a T-shirt back in the day was $3.75, and we gave you a free beer with it. And uh, But we had 72 of them in the initial order, and I remember we sold them all the very first week we were open. So it was just kind of foreshadowing of some good things to come. And we were thrilled because, first of all, to me, it meant, hey, if somebody really likes the place, they're going to buy the shirt. And uh, secondly, we knew it would conjure up word-of-mouth advertising. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know... It took us a while to reorder. You know, we didn't manage that piece we, as well as we ought have. But uh, but it was always a thrill when somebody would buy our T-shirt. It meant the world to me. Well, like any entrepreneur, you've got a lot coming at you oh, and, yeah. and trying to stay on top of all that. <laughs> what, at what point, you know, one of the things I've always asked myself when I think of Eskimo Joe's and how iconic I believe it is, and I think a lot of people listening think the same way, did you did you guys ever entertain uh, a geographic type uh, distribution or, or you know some kind of, of um, oh what am I what am I uh, what am I trying to think of um, it's not coming to me but putting Eskimo Joe's in other markets I guess yeah. for lack of a better word well you know we did um, just to kind of go back and go a little chronologically you know I bought Steve's half interest in January seventy eight. Between July of 75 and January of 78, Steve had gotten married. He was kind of looking to change lifestyle and not be a bar guy anymore. And, uh, you know, I really felt like that I had some, uh, I don't know, just there was a magic, magical um, relationship with our customers. I, I really felt like the thing had upside. In fact, I never really looked at it as a short-term deal. It wasn't something I wanted to do and flip or you know, move on or do something else. Um, much more a story of perspiration than a story of inspiration. It was a small idea 
Uh, we've just worked it really, really hard for a long, long time now. So at any rate, uh, it was a real natural dissolution of the partnership. And it was certainly, you know, who knew who was making the better deal? I mean, Steve had a blast, uh, made a living for a couple of years, and then, you know, and then walked off with a with a small, you know, a uh, small pot of gold, if you will. And and I was the one that took on all the debt and, uh, and, and you know, had the future to, to try to build. But um, anyway, it was a natural deal, and it was very comfortable and very, very um, amicable. But, um, but it, did, it did allow me, you know, I, I borrowed all the money that I, that I bought his half interest in, and, and the note payment was less than what Steve had been drawing out of the company. So for the first time, I actually had a little bit of free cash flow that I could begin to reinvest. And uh, I've seen the marketplace change a little bit. And we were able to kind of upgrade, uh, especially the upstairs, made it a little nicer, made it have a, have a little bit more appeal, I think, um, on first impression. And we just saw a nice steady growth curve um, from really from the first of 78 to about 83. By then, Stillwater, I mean, Eskimo Joe's really had become Stillwater's jumping little juke joint. It was really a viable, fun, um, upbeat, and it was really a good business. And um, so that was exciting. And then in the fall of 83, lo and behold, the state legislature changes the drinking age from 18 to 21. And man, they just pulled the rug out from under this, this thing I'd worked so hard to build and was so proud of. So in the fall of 83, I had 13 employees, all of whom I'd hired personally. I worked with alongside behind the bar every week. And man, you know, I'm just thinking, how in the world am I going to even stay in business when the, when the drinking age has changed to 21? So that was really kind of the watershed event in my career. And thankfully, instead of just hanging my head and watching the, the beer business basically dwindle to next to nothing, decided to try to add food to the mix and become a restaurant. That's the only thing I could think of to use the same facility and the same trade name and, and try to make a, you know, do something that could remain viable in that new legal environment. Well, by the, uh, by the spring of 1984, I was, op- I was able to open a small kitchen. Um, I went from 35 employees to 45 employees just to do a very simple menu, but, but full service. And uh, so it was, it was a heck of a change and a, and a very, very scary time for us. But I always like to say I was thrilled to death to find out that more people actually eat every day than drink every day. <laughs> right. And yeah. so there was demand for the food product. And I got some great advice from other restaurateurs. They said, hey, man, start out simple. Don't do anything you can't do exceedingly well. And you can always expand, you know, as you, as you gain expertise. So... That's exactly what we did, and uh, fortunately, people did enjoy the product. And, you know, people would call and say, can we bring our kids in there? Well, the answer was yes. But interestingly, we only had a six-month window to establish more than half of our sales be from non-alcoholic products, or it would have been posted 21 and over Mm -hmm. at at the end of that six-month trial. So thankfully, we sold a lot of hamburgers. We sold a lot of T-shirts, which was non-alcoholic, so that counted in the in the mix. And at the end of uh, the six months, just by the skin of our teeth, we were just over 50% food and t-shirts. And I was able to continue to allow people of all ages to come in the door. Really since then, 
the growth side of the business has been the food side. And uh, thankfully, you know, last year we sold more food than we'd ever sold. And, uh, you know, it's just uh, just allowed us to really become a place that, you know, people of all ages could come. And, uh, wow, what a blessing. But uh, just scary times. So, well, let me circle back around because I want to make sure that I... So you have considered, though, taking this concept outside of Stillwater before... We did, and what would happen was every time I'd look, I would just I would just think to myself, you know, if we go here, we're not the home team anymore. Right. You know, we didn't grow this from nothing. We're not going to be special. We're just going to be another restaurant. And while without a doubt, that concept could have been replicated. Mm-hmm. You know, a more aggressive entrepreneur could have made this thing a whole lot bigger than what I have. All I ever cared about really was being unique, being special. I love the fact that we're kind of joined at the hip with Oklahoma State. I mean, we're a staple in Stillwater. And uh, I think for many, you know, they think Stillwater, Oklahoma, they think Oklahoma State. And and for many, then the next thing they may think of is Eskimo Joe's, you know. So that's that's just a special place. It's all I ever cared about becoming. And, uh, and I'm just really, really pleased and proud to say, I think for many, that, that we've kind of establish that at least. Well, I think to confirm that, <clears throat> I was just sitting here thinking, so my wife um, was a pie fight at Oklahoma State, and for her 40th, I gathered her friends from Texas. It's kind of a surprise thing, and we, we took a limo to Stillwater. In the first place everyone wanted to go, Stan, was Eskimo Joe's, right? And so so <laughs> it, it is, what, what you've really done is developed an experience, right, that's unique, and, and it just seems to connect in the community, um, but I think you've done a lot of great things, like you said, whether it's the hamburgers, the beers, the T-shirts, it bonds everything together as a really unique experience and something I think you ought to be, ought to be proud of. Tell, you, we were talking earlier, and I want to make sure that we hit on this, because you said, hey, Rick, we're a lot more than, than just Eskimo Joe's. You're doing business to business today. Take us through that a little bit and, and how, you know, again, Always interesting to hear how you got to that place. Right. Well, um, you know, <laughs> it's just been it's been a labor of love, first of all. I'm so blessed to get to do something that I enjoy as much as I do. Pardon me. For me, hospitality just came very naturally. I love doing it. So that's that's been a uh, just a just a blast. You mentioned having met your wife at Stillwater Bay Oyster Company on your first date. Yes. I think that's so cool. I promise you, there are lots and lots of couples that met in one of our establishments in Stillwater. More at Eskimo Joe's, obviously, than, right. than uh, any of the others I've attempted. Um, but, you know, it, not everything is just this smooth, easy uh, transition up, you know, the demand curve, obviously. I've tried a total of five restaurants. Only two remain. So, you know, Stillwater Bay Oyster Company was my second. Mexico Joe's was the third. Um, Stillwater Bay operated for 20 and a half years. It was a nice run. It was a great establishment, but it never really contributed net, net, net to my bottom line. And, uh, you know, we finally just, you just can't subsidize a business, you know. So we got out of that one. Uh, June 30th of 2005 was our last day in business. Um, Mexico Joe's, my third mm-hmm. restaurant, almost broke the whole company. Back then, all of the, all of the, you know, everything was just one big pie. You know, it was all just 
I owned it all and it was all together. And, um, but we opened uh, undercapitalized. We opened too early and we opened on a huge weekend, mom's weekend, because I was desperate and I was undercapitalized. So that was a terrible mistake. We made a terrible first impression on lots and lots of guests. And uh, by the summer of, of 1987, when we, we started uh, in the spring of 87, I was bleeding so much cash, I didn't think I was ever going to get out of, out of Hawk. You know, I was scared to death. Thankfully, in the fall of 87, we opened Eskimo Joe's Clothes World Headquarters right. in Andy's Grocery Building right next door to Eskimo Joe's. And our sales took a big jump at Joe's Clothes. And really, thankfully, um, the gross profit we were generating selling Joe's Clothes helped me subsidize Mexico Joe's until in 88, we actually got it turned around and broke even, which was a huge, huge improvement over 87. And I was able to kind of get back on somewhat stable, uh, stable ground. So for anybody that thinks it was a, a smooth and easy ride, to the extent you're my customer, I'm glad that's what you think. Because right. nobody goes to a place to help a guy out that's in trouble or whatever. You go to a place that's hopping, that's bustling, that's famous, that's fun. I mean, that's, that's all the customer should ever see. Thankfully, at Eskimo Joe's, that's actually kind of always been the case. But some of my other ventures, you know, were not nearly, nearly as easy. So fast forward to 2000, we opened Giuseppe's uh, Italian Kitchen, had a nice run with that for about 13 years. But again, never really pure economic profitability. It was helping me pay for a building. It was making a small contribution, perhaps, but candidly, was bleeding cash. So... Instead of just folding up the tents like I should have, I decided to reconcept it. Went for Mojo's Rock and Bowl Grill, added a bowling. It was a fun deal. It was everything I love, the menu mix and everything, but it bled even more cash. And uh, we were only open for about two and a half years until we shut it down. And uh, that building is empty and it's for sale. Thankfully, it's under contract. But um, so, you know, I continue to... Um, make blunders, just to be honest, you know. And uh, uh, so thankfully, I've had enough stuff working to keep all the balls in the air. Um, to get to, I think, the question you were asking me, in 2002, we did start a new company, Eskimo Joe's Promotional Products Group. And that is business to business. And we basically sell logoed merchandise to companies of all sizes and all types. I'm Oklahoma State University is a huge client. Um Ditch Witch up the street in Perry, mm -hmm. but banks, institutions of all types, and it's direct uh, business to business, unlike everything else I do, which has been retail. But what we realized was that, man, the building of that Eskimo Joe's brand out of a small bar, basically, over that, uh, let's see, in 2002, you know, I've been doing it for 27 years. That was really what the market had, had rewarded us most for. We'd started doing our own screen printing work for Eskimo Joe's only in 1990. In 1995, we we had a home run uh, with our Toothless in Seattle t-shirt through Eskimo Joe's, <laughs> celebrating, you know, um, OSU basketball's trip to the Final Four. And did I say 2005? It was 95. And so, you know, we just, we just couldn't believe how that worked. And uh, I mean, it's just amazing. So of course, we're thinking, well, how are we gonna be ready for the next Toothless in Seattle? Well, we're gonna build a bigger screen printing facility. Well, we did that. 
it didn't take me too many years to realize there's never going to be another toothless in Seattle. And I'd built way more capacity than I could ever uh, create demand for at retail. So that's one of the reasons that we basically decided to get into the promotional products business in 2002 was to leverage that excess capacity. We were great at design. We were great at screen printing. And uh, we'd always been a customer of the promotional products industry and been able to buy um, you know, logoed merchandise from from other distributors and uh, and resell them at retail and had, had tremendous success with that. So I wanted to get in it. Um, I was pretty naive about how it worked, um, but uh, but I was impassioned with it. And I could tell right off the bat that we knew how to, to delight the clients. Um, and that's all that really mattered to me. As long as I was delighting my, my, my buyer, my client, um, I felt good about it. I subsidized that business for nine years, nine years of red ink out there, entrepreneurs. But I knew I was delighting my client and I knew we could eventually get there. And in our 10th year, we did. And we've never looked back when we started our 18th year, um, September 1. And uh, today it's our biggest company. Really? You know, it's, it's our growth vehicle. Um, and I uh, couldn't be more proud of it. But, you know, oftentimes... Um, takes a long time to get something going. I mean, Mexico Joe's obviously took a long time to get going. And yet, you know, now we're in our 32nd year and we're doing better than we've ever done. So, you know, if you have the cash flow from something else that you can keep it afloat, sometimes you want to, you know, uh, people second guess you. But, you know, if it's in your heart and uh, and you're in passion, you can do it. Great. But obviously, cash flow is king. I mean, if you're not cash flowing, you can't do it. Right. And uh, so thankfully, you know, we've, we've always, for most of my career, I've had one too many businesses going. <laughs> and it and it uh, bled off a lot of resources. But today, thankfully, I can say we have four operating companies and they're all in the black. And it's, it's a lot more fun when everything's working. I'll say that. Well, I was going to say, because I'm sitting here not only listening to you, but I'm watching you and the passion and animation that comes out. And one of the things we talk about is freedom. Right. And it's not just financial freedom. It's time. And, right. and it's time so that on your entrepreneurial journey, you can do bigger things. And what I hear you saying through all this is, guys, this is a this is a journey of learning and growth, and sometimes, sometimes you're you're gonna miss. Here's what I'm curious of: through those ups and downs, how did you how did you keep yourself in the game, right? Because let's be honest, you've got Eskimo Joe's; it's successful. You, you know, you could have always just taken a step back and played small, but I don't see that in anything I'm hearing from you. So I'm curious what what kept you in in this whole journey. Well, you know, I, I'm not sure. I know uh, it's a great question. Um, you know, I, like I said, I'm just a, I'm an operator. I'm a grinder. You know, it's all there is to it. Opening Eskimo Joe's uh, closed world headquarters next door to Joe's was a huge thing. You know, a year or so in, I, I kind of had this epiphany. Hey, you know, I'm, a, I'm not just a restaurant and bar guy. I'm a retailer. And it was fun and it was exhilarating um, to start going to different trade shows and just having different seminars and just, you know, kind of really thinking a little differently. It's a, it was it was still retail, but it was different, and so that was exciting. So that that was engaging to me, and that kept me really pumping. In two thousand two, when we got into a business to business deal, same thing, just a kind of a a total uh, brand new experience. You know, I 
I love building the brand. I love going on TV or, <laughs> or doing whatever I can do to, to scream Eskimo Joe's, you know, from the rooftop. But man, business to business was different. And it took me a good while to get comfortable going in and making a pitch, you know, much different than when the guest has chosen us and they've they've honored us by coming through our door. Uh, you know, go go beat on the door and and uh, try to convince somebody that you're gonna you know that you're gonna bring value to them and that what you're doing is better than what the other guy's doing. That was anyway. It was just so that was another new challenge. So maybe that's a part of it. I'll just say this: it's a constant challenge. Right. I mean, every day we put on the line with every interaction with an external customer this 44 years of business. Because you're only as good as the last meal in the restaurant business. You're only as good as the last experience the customer had at Eskimo Joe's clothes with the quality of that product that they bought, the way they felt about that transaction. So I preach constantly. We, we, when we onboard people, they go through what we call Smiles 101. And it's an hour and 15 minutes with me in person delivering our vision of greatness, which we created clear back in 1990. Um, think about that. That's 29 years we've had this mantra. We've had this vision that we all try to get in alignment with. And so it's just a chance to clarify expectations. Most importantly, to thank people for coming into the family and then for being willing. To, they're going to create the future. The question is, with every interaction with a guest, are we building the brand or are we tearing it down? Right. And we're doing one or the other. There's no real in-between. You know, there was a big White House study done back in the 80s that, uh, that shined a spotlight on the fact that about seven out of 10 people quit a business if and when they encounter an attitude of indifference on the part of a team member. You know, so I, what I beg people is I said, look, we can't afford to have a bad day. People come to us for an experience. You've said it several times in this podcast. That's exactly right. And the question is, is it an experience of people that's worth wanting to repeat? Because if it's not, this thing could go away in no time. You know, it doesn't take any time to lose a customer. It just takes a, an attitude of indifference on the part of one team member. So to get 400 people kind of going in the same direction all day, every day, uh, there's plenty of challenge. Well, and word of mouth can be a positive and it can Absolutely. work against you. So that that's excellent. Uh, so that... So let me ask you, you look out into the entrepreneurial environment here in Oklahoma. I'm, I'm, I'm going to put you on the spot for a second. Sure. Is there anything, when you see what's going on in our state and from an entrepreneurial standpoint, is there anything that gets you excited that, that you see going on? Wow. I so, know I put you on the spot, but the thing yeah. that came to my mind was, was, you know, we have this huge growth in craft beer, not to put you back in the bar, right. but but we've got that going on. You know, we've got a startup community that's going on. And I'm just curious, you know, what your view of where Oklahoma is and uh, any opportunities that you see that, that are interesting to you. Well, what what's most important about Oklahoma absolutely is our people. I mean, and I don't care who you're, you listen to. Anybody that is big on Oklahoma, we always put our people first. And in my business, it is all about people. So I still have uh, a lot of optimism about the young people that are um, that are born and raised in Oklahoma. I love the values that we instill into our young people. And when they come to Oklahoma State, they are the best labor uh, pool that I can even pray for. And I do feel blessed to have done business in Stillwater. It's another reason why I never left Stillwater with the brand, honestly. I just, I just didn't know 
that I could ever, I don't know, there's just something about Stillwater. It's a melting pot. Everybody comes there and they, they just kind of, I don't know, they seem to, to get along. It's a very, very friendly, welcoming community. And that's, that's what we are all about. Basically, I mean, we're, we're really just offering up a good time. Um, so that's, that's what, I, that's what I'm encouraged about entrepreneurially. I, I don't have that great of, of a statewide view, to be honest. My view's pretty darn uh, Stillwater-centric. Um, and I'm more than happy to, to be focused yeah. there, um, you know. And it served you well. Yeah, it, it's, it's been a good ride. It's, right. been, it's been a lot of fun. Well, let me ask you this then, Stan. As you look out into the future, I told you that, you know, here I am. Now I'm this 50, over 50 entrepreneur, right? right? And I always joke that the first 25 years, maybe I did it the way I thought people wanted me to do it. And I give a lot of thought to, you know, how do I want to spend the next 25 years? And, right. and for me, it's helping business owners and, and people. And I know that if we help, good things seem to happen, right? Sure. When it's focused on them. And I think at the core... That's exactly what drives you. But what what's the vision for Stan Clark Companies at, as you go forward the next few years? What, you know, what, what's important to you moving forward? Well, certainly uh, what's important to me is to continue. Our mission is to delight every guest by giving my best. And we wrote that in first person so that as that young person we just hired reads it, giving my best. I want them to own that. I always tell them, I want you to act like you own the place. If you own this place, what would you do? That's what I want you to do. Act like you own the place, you know. I empower everybody that they've got complete um, autonomy and authority to guarantee everything we sell every day, everything we sell, including in the promotional products division. It's one thing to, you know, guarantee a $12 meal, you know, not a big deal. The only, the thing that's a huge deal is make sure that if there is a problem, that we solve it with empathy that the customer realizes we really cared and we're going to make it right for them, whatever that takes. Um, you know, in, in the promotional products division, it might be a $15,000, $20,000 order, but the same guarantee applies. That's, you know, that's it's just great. whatever it is, if you're not delighted, you don't have to pay for it, period. Right. Now, obviously, I'm going to try to go upstream and get some help from my supplier partner, but if they don't, that's okay. I'm still going to guarantee it. The principle is this. You can't buy my principles for any price. Okay, and uh, fortunately, I've had enough success that I can say that and I can mean it. And we have backed it up on countless occasions and people do. Oh, wow. You know, but that's that's the whole idea. So really, my vision is just to continue to be special, um, to be special in the hearts and minds of our clients at, at EJPPG, of our of our guests and our in our restaurants and our retail divisions, then to be the best job that everybody that works for me has ever had. And then to be the favorite company that every supplier partner that we do business with does business with. And all of that is dictated by this vision of greatness right here. Okay. And uh, we live it, we mean it, and it is our mantra. It is our guiding light. And um, hey, you know, it's kind of like what you're just saying. If you do right by all those those three constituents, good things are probably going to happen. Absolutely. And Absolutely. I've always believed it. Well, I love what you say about... Um, you know, basically empowering the people around you that prevents you as a business owner from getting bottlenecked, yeah. right, with all the decisions, but they're engaged. And Absolutely. when they take an ownership role in that, there's a higher energy. Let's yeah. face it. When people Absolutely. think that they have to come to you for everything, right, yeah. um, then some, that's where I think I see a lot of times where employees are just kind of 
haphazard through the whole the whole journey anyway. So right. fantastic. I, I love the, the vision of greatness that you've put together. That's fantastic. Look, we're getting towards the end, end of today, unfortunately, because I think I could do this all day with you. Um, if you were... If you were to share just one piece of advice for maybe an entrepreneur that's been going on their journey for a long time, um, or maybe, you know, I talk about second half entrepreneurs are coming out of corporate, they're thinking about the next phase, but just entrepreneurs in general, with your experience, what, what piece of advice would you share with them? Well, hopefully you're doing something you love. You know, when you have a passion for what you're doing and you're just, you know, you're just totally all in, if you will. Um, I, I use the word enthusiasm all the time. You know, we must be willing to exude an attitude of enthusiasm in everything we do. As it relates to our team members, it's uplifting to them when we're, when we're all in, you know. With our guests, if we're not excited to be there, how can we hope to attract someone else? With our supplier partners, we just share our, our enthusiasm for how important their part is for our success. We can't grow if we don't have great supplier partners. Especially in the promotional products division, it's an easy example. Most of what we sell, for example, your coffee mug, you know, the, the, we don't print on coffee mugs. We print on T-shirts. Mm -hmm. So that mug is printed by a supplier, and it's drop shipped direct with you. So at that point, that supplier is us. we got to be able to trust them. we got to be able to believe in them. So we got to be enthusiastic, and we want to be the favorite company that they do business with. So having said all that, you know, passion. Um, you know, it's, uh, Tom Peters said way long time ago, back in the 90s at some point, you know, leadership is all about emotion, not administration. You know, people don't care how good you are with numbers or whatever. If you don't have passion and you can't just lead people with, with excitement and make them want to go with you, I, I just don't know how you're ever going to do it. So to me, passion. But the first question is, is there a market for what you're trying to sell? I mean, you know, I remember that back from my very first economics class. You know, why do you go in business? You go in business to make money. And so there's got to be a market. And if there's a market there and you have a passion for it, then, hey, it would be awfully, uh, it'd be awfully duplicitous of me to sit here and tell you don't, don't pursue that dream, you know, right. since, since I got to do it from age 22 and, and I'm still passionate about doing it. So I think those are, those are probably the absolutely at the core of it. Fantastic. Well, listen, again, appreciate you being here today. Um, obviously, people can go to EskimoJoes.com to learn more about the company and, and what you're doing. Um, I, I'm obviously, I'm sitting here thinking, and don't forget to visit Eskimo Joes when you're in Stillwater for a game or just there. Um, and so, Stan, appreciate it. I'm very honored to have you here in the studios today uh, and, and love the brand. Thank you. Guys, this is Rick Adrava. Once again, you've been listening to the Over 50 Entrepreneur Podcast. So glad you tuned in. And until next time, keep moving the dial. The Over 50 Entrepreneur Podcast is sponsored by Epic Business Advisory, where we help entrepreneurs escape the owner's trap, build businesses that can succeed without you, allowing you the opportunity to realize more freedom, think bigger, and pursue next-level goals. Download our freedom formula at epicsbiz.com slash formula. And remember, we're only getting started.